What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Politics by Faith. Mike Slater, thanks for being here. Uh, I wanted to do this episode about reparations. Have you heard this story? There was a task force in California that determined that every black person who can claim lineage back to the 1800s who lives in California is entitled to reparations. Do you know how much they came up with? $230,000 per person, right? Now, there's a ton here, and I was going to do a whole episode on it. But then I thought, no, that's not it. That's not what this show is. I don't want this podcast to be using the Bible to advocate for political policy. That's not what this is. And that's what that episode, at least how I was thinking about it in my brain, was probably going to turn out. It was going to be, be against this dumb policy of reparations because the Bible says so. That's not what this is. That may be true, but that's not what this show is. This show is, hey, here's a thing that's causing me anxiety in the news, and I'm worried about it. And I want to better understand it, and I want to get a little bigger perspective, and I want that anxiety to go away. See the difference? It's not, here's what the Bible says about this issue. Boom. It's, here's what the Bible says about people. So I'm not doing that episode, but I hope this episode is more in line with our mission statement here. Also, and I'll let you in on a little thing we try to do. I think a, a really good episode of this podcast is one where it ends up not being about the person or thing in question, but it ends up being about us. It ends up being about you and me. And to the point where at the end of 20 minutes or whatever, you, you kind of forget even where we started because now it's, it's about me and my heart, and my life. It's very easy to say that person is a bad person, but it's much more difficult and helpful to say that person did a bad thing. And how am I like that person? In what ways am I just like that person? Maybe even worse because I don't want to be anymore. And whatever I was thinking about in that last reparations episode, wasn't going to do that. Uh, so I didn't want to do it. But this person, this episode will. So here we go. Let's do it. Uh, story of the day. The 83-year-old Home Depot employee who was murdered. 
Have you heard this story? 83-year-old man, North Carolina, went to work at Home Depot. He's worked there for the last nine years. You've seen wonderful retired people working at Home Depot before. It's a fine job to get up and out for, make a few dollars in retirement, see people. It's great. So this man was in what looks like the garden section checkout area, the part that's like kind of outside. And uh, a, a man, but he's not a man, he's a coward. I don't call people like this men. I call him a male. At this point, a male with a mask over his mouth and a hoodie tied tight around his face was pushing a cart, a shopping cart, very quickly to the exit past the 83-year-old employee. And in the shopping cart, he had three big boxes of pressure washers, three pressure washers in his shopping cart, which is a weird thing to purchase. So he's briskly walking through the exit, at which point the 83-year-old employee takes a step towards the man. And you can't hear what he says in the security footage, but I imagine it's something like, hey, where's your receipt? Or maybe it was more confrontation. Maybe it was, you can't go through here. We don't know. And the thief doesn't care. He doesn't slow down at all. Doesn't make eye contact, looks straight ahead, but takes his right arm and shoves the 83-year-old man to the ground. He goes flying. Looks like he hit his head on a display case. Either way, it was a hard fall. And he went to the hospital and died from the injuries. The murderer is still on the loose. The video, security camera, uh, security camera footage, is horrific to watch. It's horrific. But I was thinking, why, why is it so horrific? Hear me out here. Why is it so horrific? Because it's not gory. It's not gruesome. No one's being tortured. It's not like a Saw movie or something like that. So why is it so... Why does it like just punch you in the gut when you watch this video? And I think there's a couple of reasons. One is because you have uh, justice. This man was trying to enact justice. Like, you can't steal. I'm going to step in. I'm going to stand up. So you have that element at play. But I, I think, and what I want to talk about here is, this video is hard to watch because of the callousness of the murderer. The callousness. So that's what happened. What's really going on in this story? Hard-heartedness. Let's talk about the heart. The heart is a muscle. Pumps blood throughout your body. Beats over 100,000 times a day. Pumps 1.5 gallons of blood every minute through your body. There's 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. I don't understand how that's possible at all. So it pumps blood throughout your body. And, and it'd be a miracle if that's all it did. That's not all it does. The heart is also amazingly where your emotions and your desires originate and swell. Modern culture doesn't agree with this. Modern culture puts all this in our brain. Because evolution says that our emotions are nothing but random chemical interactions. Right, the, way, the way chemicals interact in our brain cause us to feel certain ways. That's the modern perspective. But the Bible says it all comes from the heart. The heart's mentioned over a thousand times in scripture. So I always go back to the original definition of words. Webster's 1828 dictionary. 
And uh, you look up heart. Now, it has like one or two medical ones. Then it says, the seat of the affections and passions, as of love, joy, grief, enmity, courage, pleasure, etc. The seat of the affections and passions. I love that. Mark 7, 21, from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. This is not good. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? And the point here is that the, the biggest problems are not in our life are not external, but internal. All of us have a heart problem. And it's not because you had that double cheeseburger. That's not it. We, as fallen humans, tend to look at the outside of people. I'm reminded of the movie Shallow Hal that I haven't seen in 25 years. We look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. We look at how, how attractive people are, how tall they are. I heard, I don't know if this is true. I didn't look up the statistics. I didn't like double check the statistic. But taller people get paid more. And this study said that adjusting for everything else, every inch over five foot seven, a man makes $1,000 more per year. So a six foot tall man makes $5,000 more per year than a five foot seven man. Because we see tall and we think leader. It's like, what? We look at the clothes. We look at the cars. God looks at the heart. Not the amount of cardio you're doing, but how in line your heart is with God's commands. One of my favorite scriptures, 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Because you say, oh, I love God. Okay, well, what do you do? How do you love God? Well, it says right here, we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. I used to say, oh, I'm spiritual. You hear a lot of people say, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Or they'd be like, oh, I believe in God. What God? <laughs> like, what? like, finish that. What God? Oh, just the one you make up in your brain? This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To be saved is to have your heart 
changed. Your heart is changed. I'm sure we'll quote this again later, but Ezekiel 36, uh, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. There's that obeying thing again. It's amazing, these scriptures. I love them on. I love how they weave together to paint such a clear picture. God will test your heart as well. Deuteronomy 8.2, Moses is talking to the Israelites. He says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So to go back to this murderer at Home Depot, his heart was hardened. You just watch the video, and that, that's what's so chilling about it. His heart was hardened. Why? Because he forgot God. He ignored God, everything God has ever done for him. And everyone has excuses. Everyone has reasons to be bitter and ungrateful. But all those excuses will only lead to death. It will lead to a heart of stone. Nothing is more important than your heart. Nothing. Which is why it says in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. How did uh, Webster's dictionary, they said the, the seat of passions. I like this, the wellspring of life. That's your heart. You better guard that. Otherwise you're going to let things come in and poison that well. It's Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Above all else, nothing's more important. Are you guarding the wellspring of your life? What you watch, what you read, who you listen to, all the rest. This male who's still on the loose, who shoved an 83-year-old man, has a hard heart. A righteous man would never do something like that. Why? Because a righteous man fears God. And fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, that's what, I, oh, Jesus. How do you pick your favorite line or the best line or the most important line in the Bible? I don't know. But right up there, fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. And in our namsy-pamsy culture, we always try to Kind of explain that away. Oh, by fear, we really mean revere and respect is all. Like, no, you better be scared. Every time an angel is seen by a man, uh, they, they fall terrified on the ground. And the angel has to say, fear not. Why? Because it's scary. And what God can do to you for eternity better scare you. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, O Israel... What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. I love that. For your own good. It's like what we were sharing earlier, the first John 5, 3, it ends with his commandments are not burdensome. Like, like if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. And we're like, oh, no, it's a lot. No, no, his commandments are not burdensome. Why? It's for your own good. So again, some people say, oh, you got to you know, fear God. That's mean. We need to just revere God. That's worthless. That's absolutely worthless. I revere Shakespeare. I don't fear Shakespeare. I revere George Washington. I don't fear him. But you better fear God. 
the male who killed this 83-year-old does not fear God. Otherwise, he would have kept his commands. One of which is to not covet, steal, and murder. Just to name three of the ten. But he doesn't fear God. So surely he wasn't going to keep his commands. Uh, as Dennis Prager said, if you really want to defund the police, then you got to get everyone to follow the Ten Commandments. It's the only way. But there's too many hard hearts. Hence the need for police and jails and all the rest. Now, after a while, you not only have a hard heart, you also have a seared conscience. This act was not the person's first sin. So again, what makes this video so hard to watch is, is the helplessness of the man who is just trying to invoke some justice in the moment. Justice against this thief. Because we just keep letting these people get away with this stuff. And the callousness of it. This murderer's conscience has been seared. 1 Timothy 4, 1. Paul is talking about consciences that have been seared. I said, I said the word consciences. Is that right? Consciences. Consciences that have been seared as with a hot iron. The word seared here is the Greek word kausteriazo. It's where we get the word cauterized. So your conscience has been seared. You don't feel it anymore. Those moral pangs you feel when you do something wrong, like when you're stealing something or when you're about to shove an 83-year-old man. Those moral pangs that you would feel, you don't feel them anymore. When I first became a Christian, I heard Dr. David Jeremiah say, the more you mature as you become a Christian, the more you mature, the more sensitive you become to sin. And I, I love that word sensitive. And I like this image. All right, so the things that you do that you thought your whole life were fine, and even the things you did for the first 10 years you've been a Christian that you thought were fine, eventually become not fine. Your conscience becomes more and more sensitive over time. That's true. And the opposite is true. You get less and less sensitive over time. A heart of stone and a cauterized conscience. Ooh. Ouch. So let's lament. Let's lament this. This is no good. Doesn't that perfectly describe our culture today? Hearts of stone and cauterized consciences. All the brazen crime you see. I mean, you've seen the videos of people walking into stores, whether it's a CVS or a Louis Vuitton. And people just walking out with as much as they can care. It's broad daylight. Shameless broad daylight. And the criminals just go into this mode where they put their mask on, put their hoodie on, and just stare straight ahead. They block everything out. Everyone's yelling at them. Maybe someone's kind of getting in the way, telling them to stop. But they don't care. They just put the blinders on and go. Just like we do with our sin. I think about this. I'll get back to that point, but quick sidebar. I think about this a lot. At what point will society just crumble? What's the tipping point? So think about it like this. If you go to a store, Walmart or grocery store or whatever, and you're standing in line to pay, and let's say there's four people in line, you and four other people, and you stand there and you're waiting. Right? And as you're standing there, you see someone walk out with a big screen TV. Just steal it. And you might say, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, stop that guy. What, what, get the, stop the guy from stealing it. But they don't stop. And then you see two people steal a big screen TV. Like, wait a second. And then someone in line, maybe the person in front of you 
in line waiting to pay for their stuff. They're, they change their mind. <laughs> They're like, well, I'm not going to pay. They just leave without paying. And then the people behind you in line join them and they walk away. And pretty soon you're the only chump standing in line to pay. So at what point does, and then what do you do? Seriously, take it to an extreme. Everyone's looting the store. You happen to have been in there already in line with food in your hand, ready to pay. What do you do? Steal it? At what point does the normal turn to, well, of course I'm going to steal that thing. And I'm going to do everything I can to get away with it, including kill you. Because life to me is about what I want now. That's how hedonistic we are. And you're thinking, oh, I would never go to the point of maybe Slater. I'll admit it. I would maybe steal the thing if people were looting or whatever. But I would never kill someone. (laughs) Have you... Don't be so sure. Have you seen the Home Depot? Have you been to a Home Depot lately? Everything's locked up. Everything's locked up. I talked to a guy a year or so ago who used to steal from Home Depot. He's repented now of it all. Uh, but he would go in with his wife. He told me the, he told me how it all worked. He'd go in with his wife. I, th- I think what they would do is, I'm missing part of the story here, but he would go in and he would buy a couple things, cheap things, get a receipt, leave the cart by the door, then his wife would come in, take the cart, and then load it with big expensive things, and then have the receipt from the other purchase to prove that she bought the thing. There's something, there's some scam like that. And then he would buy like a heavy thing and then return it, but fill the box with rocks. Point is, these people are crafty. And it makes everything more expensive for the rest of us, but it also just erodes our entire society. It's not good to live in a town where the store has to have everything locked up. <laughs> you can't even buy shaving cream. Like, what's, what's going on? One reason why America has thrived is we used to be, a, we've always been a high trust society. A high trust society. We're becoming a low trust society because a small percentage of people are ruining, but, ruining it. But it'll get real bad when enough people say, well, I'm no chump. I might as well steal too. Even if it means I have to kill the guy who's in my way. I'm sure the guy who murdered the 83-year-old, I'm sure he didn't start out with that intent. I bet he wasn't like, I'm going to steal these three pressure washers and kill anyone in my way. But he didn't start off like that. But eventually you'll get there. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 says the same thing. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Certainly you. But oftentimes other people too. All right. Let's get to the historical perspective, biblical truth. We got to learn from biblical stories. We got to learn from them just to avoid the pitfalls, the sins of those who came before us. First Corinthians 10, Paul says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. It's right there. Like, so you, it's right here. Everything's right there. Just read it. Read it and learn so you don't make the same mistakes. Years ago, I asked Ryan Holiday, who I like very much, not a Christian, um, but I asked him why he loves to read so much. He's a big reader, vociferous reader. And he said, I I like to learn from the mistakes of other people without having to experience them them myself personally, right? Like, it's way better to read about someone making a mistake and learn the lesson than to live it yourself. 
It's wise. Now, I usually like to share uh, some of the lesser known Bible stories. I like to share the, the more obscure stories, but this one's just too perfect to not share. So David is the king. Sent out his army. He stayed back in Jerusalem. Problem number one. We'll get to that in a minute. Second Samuel 11. One evening, David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now, quick point. Uh, David, disobeying God, king, man after God's own heart, had many concubines and many wives. Even though Deuteronomy 17 says uh, you can't do that. He had a harem of women. But it wasn't enough. Never is. We always think that you can satiate a lust, whatever that lust is, which is more of the thing. But no, always just makes it worse. So he had plenty of wives and concubines, but he wanted her now. Also worth noting that first line, uh, he stayed back in Jerusalem. David remained in Jerusalem is the line. David remained in Jerusalem. He should have been off fighting. He should have been off fighting. If he was doing what he should have been doing, then this wouldn't have happened. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, like a general. Send me Uriah the Hittite, her husband. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came home, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, how the war was going. Small talk. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all the master's servants and did not go to his house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How can I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Oh, so he was a good guy. Worst <laughs> of all, Uriah is a good dude, a loyal, a loyal man to his uh, to his fellow soldiers in the field. David wanted him to go back and have sex with his wife, so that he wouldn't get blamed for her being pregnant. It was all set up. He didn't fall for it. In the morning, David wrote a letter to the commander Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, "Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest." Then withdraw him, withdraw from him, so he will be struck down and die. Think about this. King David, trying to cover up his sin and, and panic, sent this man back to the battle with his own death warrant to deliver. Uriah, a loyal man, did not read the letter, probably. Handed it to Joab and then was killed. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David armies, David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Hmm. 
This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring you bring calamity on you. He indeed did. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. That's what happened. Awful story. Just awful. He wanted more and more and more and more. So ungrateful for what God had done for him his whole life. Decided to act on his own. Disobeyed God's commands. And people died as a result. Innocent husband. Innocent baby. How could David of all people have forgotten what God has done for him his whole life? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that Satan doesn't fill you with a hatred of God. He causes you to forget God. And lust takes over. James 4.2 You desire but do not have so you kill. Even power, even pressure washers from Home Depot. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight, even with 83-year-old men just trying to make a couple dollars an hour. I assure you that when you remove the holiness of God, the fear of God from a culture, the ethics of God crumble with it. We live in this modern culture where we think we can remove God, but keep the ethics. Can't. So what's in my control, Slater? What do I do? What do I do? <sighs> Being right with God. Now. You never know when someone may come up behind you and kill you. Philadelphia, just last week, a 37-year-old parking attendant was walking up the sidewalk and a guy came up from behind him and shot him in the head. Same, similar thing with this, just the callousness of it, just the casual shooting someone in the head and walking away. Like what? James 4.14 says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Life is but a vapor. Just So get your heart right now before it's too late. Guard it. Guard your heart. As we said earlier, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The rest of that scripture, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. It's beautiful. So what can I do now? Recognize that life is short. It's a vapor. Get it together now. Get your heart transformed now and then guard your heart because everything flows from it. And then I should say as well, forgive. Forgive. What? How is that possible? How is it possible to forgive the guy who murdered my husband or murdered my, my grandpa? How is that possible? Or murdered my son, the 37-year-old parking? How can I forgive? Well, you know, it's not possible. It's only supernatural. It's only possible with the supernatural. I met a woman years ago. Her son was her was 16 and was murdered by like another 16-year-old or an 18-year-old. And she told the judge at sentencing that she wanted to have the murderer sentenced to live with her so that she could raise him right. And then she sang a hymn at the sentencing. Have you heard of the seven-year-old girl in Texas? 
She was playing in her driveway and a FedEx driver kidnapped her, murdered her. Seven years old. Seven-year-old girl. It's the worst thing ever. But check this out. This is the grandpa. The grandpa of the seven-year-old. This flesh, this man that I am is angry. And I want five minutes alone in a cell with that psycho that took our Athena away from us. That's the seven-year-old. But there's a soft, gentle voice in the back of my head telling me I need to forgive him. This flesh man wants that psycho to burn in hell for all eternity. Yet that gentle voice continues to tell me I need to forgive him. Why? Because hate is a powerful force that will take root in your soul. God wants to protect us all from that hate. That's that wellspring. Hate is the gateway for the evil we see growing in the world today. If you stood that man before me right now, because of the hate that's trying to root itself in my mind, I would probably kill him. Then that hate would root itself in my heart and I would be destroyed. So then he talks about the Holy Spirit in him. He said, if I allow this hate to consume me, that voice will fade and eventually be silenced. Then that ugly spirit of hate will have succeeded. And that's why this gentle voice persists to tell me I need to forgive this man. It's for my protection and my peace. It's to set me free from this hate and allow me to continue to hear God's gentle voice. There's not one ounce of my flesh that wants to do this or say this, but my spirit has heard God's voice now. And right now, while tears flood my eyes, I declare publicly that I forgive this man. Hate will not win. I hope my family will understand that I don't do this for the sake of this man. I do this for the sake of my family and myself and to honor the voice of God who is giving me the strength to say this. I do this to honor our precious Athena who knew no hate. This man won't be allowed any real estate to live in my brain. He belongs to God and God's justice will be done. Mm. That's worth a quick rewind. Let you get your phone out and rewind that. Need to forgive him. I love this. It, it's in his mind. And if, if he act if he acted on what was in his mind, then that the, the hatred would take root in his heart. Forgiveness is only a supernatural thing. I want to reach out to that gentleman. Maybe we can talk to him. Okay. Final thought to meditate on so we can go to sleep at night. Scariest words in the Bible. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Not search that man at Home Depot, search that murderer. Search me and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Love it. Lead me in the way everlasting. So do you see the two themes here? The two themes are, is uh, if you love God, you obey his commands. It's not a burden. It is good for you. <laughs> this is practically good for you and obey my obey commands and God lead me in that way everlasting how do you do that think about what you put in your heart God's word Psalm 119 11 I have hidden your word in my heart your word in my heart that I might not sin against you God, I mourn for the injustice and loss of life of this poor man at Home Depot. May this be a reminder for us that life is short 
and to guard our hearts and never let hate take root. That's our episode. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving a five-star review. And just a quick little uh, sentence. You know what I did? I'll tell you right before I record, I, uh, I go to the podcast on iTunes. I scroll down, look at the reviews, see a couple of nice things that you wrote. And uh, I get uh, grateful and excited and uh, encouraged. So thanks for all that. Slater Radio is my email. SlaterRadio at gmail.com. And uh, you can leave any question, any, any news story that's giving you anxiety, let us know. And we'll cover it here as well. Thank you so much for being here. Politics by Faith. Mike Slater. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.